Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Infinite IoT. I'm your host, Matt Ackley, and today I'll be joined by Digi International CTO of Cellular Solutions, Harold Remert. Harold has 25 years in the business innovating, creating, and being an executive in the IoT space. We're going to talk about the evolution of the cellular network. It started way back in the 2G, 3G era, all the way to the 5G evolution that we're witnessing today. Harold, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Matt. Long time no see. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's been a lifetime since the last time we spoke. How's everything going in the world of Digi? Well, it's going very well, actually. So uh, we uh, um, just released our numbers uh, uh, yesterday, and um, you know we're we're growing like crazy. So it's really great to be in this industry today, and uh, you know it's exciting to see uh, you know all the things we're we're working on. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today with your you know cellular solution expertise and just walking through kind of the the evolution of the technologies that we've that we've experienced over you know the last couple of decades when it comes to uh moving down the road from 2G all the way to the the 5G evolution that we're seeing today. So I wanted to start off with asking you about the impact of some of these shutdowns and and then activations of new networks. It started way back with the 2G, 3G um, shutdown and sundown. So would love to know more about its impact on data security, and then moreover, uh, just its impact on network integrity during the transition. Mm -hmm. But we can start with the data security piece. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, at the high level, uh, you know, the 2G, 3G network shutdowns um, uh, affected and uh, still will affect, you know, everyday devices uh, that uh, that you and I probably own, right? So example, uh, you know, on the vehicles, right? So they're connected. Uh, so vehicle safety, like automatic crash reporting, those kind of things uh, might not be there anymore, right? Um, security panels and uh, alarm systems, uh, you know, were big early adopters of 2G and 3G, right? And so they may not function anymore, right? Um, and of course, mobile phones as well, although those are a little bit easier to replace. Um, so we saw quite a lot of impact, um, you know, and in some cases, uh, even for devices that support 3G and uh, 4G, because they were not up to date with latest firmware and configurations. So, um, so this was quite surprising. Um, when we are Digi, uh, so we're in this business for uh, for over 35 years, and um, and this business being the um, you know connectivity business for machines and uh, uh, people. Uh, you know, we looked at this as a planable event, and um, we worked with our customers early on, um, for example, by providing um, advanced shutdown information on our website, um, by finding, helping them find the right replacement solution. So this could have been um, 4G in some cases, uh, or 5G, right, depending on the budget and where customers are in their, um, uh, their life cycles and their application needs. And then also by enabling uh, customers to remotely update firmware uh, and configuration, um, you know, on the thousands of devices that they might have, right? All without uh, uh, having to roll a truck. So we're, we really thought this through, right? And uh, we're very methodical on uh, 
helping our customers to uh, to move up to um, you know the next um, level of networks. So when we're talking about that, then you know the two G three G technology that that was present uh, then ultimately evolved into that that four G LTE. And you you talked about the impact on you know vehicles, the the traditional cellular devices. Uh, what did the pivot into the four G LTE provide us that maybe we didn't have access to or uh, couldn't get value out of with the previous networks? Yeah, you know um, when I look at the the evolution, so um, you know roughly every decade we see a new um, cellular technology generation or, um, you know, how people refer to uh, as Gs, so all generations, um, you know, with new capabilities for, for new use cases. So when you look back, um, 2G was introduced in the 90s, early 90s. And, uh, you know, that was a great technology, provide the first digital voice and, you know, low speed data experience. Um, when you move on to 3G, uh, that was launched in, um, in the early 2000s, uh, that offers significantly faster speed, which became, you know, one of the success, success factors for smartphones, for example. Right? So being able to browse the internet, uh, download music, stream video, um, you know, and w- when you look back, um, the technology was there and only after it was there, you know, um, uh, companies like Facebook, Twitter, uh, and many other social media platforms uh, in combination with the smartphones, they really leveraged that technology, right? And, um, you know, grew to um, a big success with that. Um, this is also the area when, uh, the era when um, we had Digi um, introduced our first cellular router. So this was in 2004, so quite a ways back. When we then look forward uh, or look at the, um, at 4G LTE, so this started, um, you know, in 2009. Uh, the initial focus was still on faster speeds, so kind of pushing that angle. But over the last decade, um, you know, that technology uh, has changed significantly. So LTE stands for long-term evolution. And so the continuous evolution of the technology generation towards the next. And what that brought us um, and what was not possible before with previous generation technologies was to have one network that can scale from the very low end, um, you know, with with technologies like LTEM and MBIoT, that are great for um, you know sensors, um, uh, inexpensive trackers, battery powered devices, right? Um, so really optimized for that, and for a large number of devices uh, as well, and then all the way to the high end where uh, LTE defined technologies. Um, uh, you know, leading to gigabit LTE, right? That can replace wide broadband. So all on the same network. Um, and so that's really, um, you know, one of uh, the, the difference between, you know, 2G, 3G initially, right? So very focused. And then 4G really expanding that, um, the uh, number of use cases that you can get. Was there greatly impacted infrastructure? Obviously, we have a scenario where, you're changing out nodes and, and you're doing a, a number of different things on that front. I mean, was there a dramatic shift in the necessity to pivot uh, kind of structurally from from those technologies to to the next generation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the uh, the base stations had to be replaced. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, 
uh, RF front end work as well, right? So new antennas had to be put up, uh, new bands uh, became available, so new spectrum, right? So that had to be um, uh, be serviced. And um, uh, when you look at the uh, network technology, the infrastructure, that really changed, started with 4G and really, um, you know, pushed into 5G as well, where more and more um, of the functions that the network provides um, were uh, compartmentalized, were containerized, and, um, uh, you know, they're, they're much easier to deploy. They can run on regular, you know, data center grade hardware. Uh, you don't need to have specialized monolithic hardware anymore, right? So that really drives the economy of scale, makes these systems much easier to deploy, right? And um, and, and easier to update. Um, and and so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Harold. Didn't mean to uh, cut you off on that, but I did want to ask, so the, the pivot then from 4G to 5G, uh, most people, the, to the layman, we're just, add, you know, we're just adding a number and putting it in front of G and away <laughs> we go. We just on, yeah. to, on to the next, right? Yeah. But there, there seems to be a dynamic shift as far as, the capabilities uh, when we talk about the the spectrum of of capabilities and the data uh, analytics side of it and the ability to specify uh, where we want to pull data from. So when we pivot from that 4G LTE, which is going to be here for for a little while longer uh, type of a deal, into this new frontier of 5G. What's the largest shift from what we were used to into this new frontier of 5G? Yeah, good question. So 5G is not just faster internet. Um, here at Digi, we truly believe that it will transform the way uh, we live, work, and play. So you get um, the faster speed, right? So now with 5G pushing multi-gigabit speeds, uh, it, it's increasing the number of devices as well that right, the network can support. Uh, but also, you know, um, um, the the um, standards bodies have done some work to reduce latency for near real-time applications. And what that gives you is um, it gives you a, a massive amount of um, speed at super low latency. And, um, you know, it, when you take a phone, for example, right? So... Right now, you have your your applications loaded on the phone, right? Um, you, uh, you know, with 4G, you can also stream, right? Um, uh, but oftentimes, you still download. Uh, when you have a lot of um, this this uh, faster near um, real time uh, transportation link, uh, and you have um, data centers that are also moving very uh, much closer to the mobile edge, right? So this is where the, edge, the whole uh, notion of edge compute comes in. You can actually offload a lot of that to the edge, right? And you know, when you need it, uh, you can just pull that down again, right? So you can have, you know, conceivably phones that uh, are very slim. They just know how to connect to the network, right? They have very little RAM and flash, right? And they just download, uh, you know, uh, the application whenever you need it, right? And then offloads it again. So it really changes the dynamics. Um, you also uh, then can do things. Um, you know, around machine learning and AI, where uh, you, let's say, want to do some some uh, video analytics, right? Uh, and so that's usually a very heavy, um, uh, heavy undertaking because, you know, the video data is there, right? So you need to shove it to a central location normally, right? So you would do the analysis and then you would, um, you know, send any results back. 
when you're when you have this big uh, low latency data pipe, you can really do that in the edge, and you can do that at, an, at a data center at the edge. So you really don't have to traverse uh, the internet to get it to a central location, right? So you can do this locally, and uh, of course, so we like to think about um, data as having a weight. Right, so the more data you generate, the more heavy it gets, right? And the further it needs to transport, the more expensive it gets. So being able to do this processing, um, you know, um, on site, you know, in some cases on the device, but um, in, in in many cases on the mobile edge, you really have this 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 best of both worlds. And and you know, five G is really the some call it the wireless fiber, right? So um, being able to have that that high speed, low latency connection. Um, for those kind of new applications, and so obviously we're we're introducing the the whole edge computing element to this, and, and there there's the benefits of the AI integration. But the reality has seemed to have been that we're, you know, we had these these great ideas about how we were going to utilize elements to to drive 5G adoption and and it seems like it's it's a little bit uh slower launching uh for some of these use cases is there uh is there a reason behind uh the composition of the network or uh some other element that that maybe has led to a slower build with 5G so far yeah so um it's interesting. There's two angles to this. Um, so when you compare 5G to um, and the availability of the technology and the rollout to 4G LTE, um, 5G networks actually are being deployed and built out um, way faster uh, than 4G uh, was deployed. And also the number of devices that are available uh, is significantly uh, larger than uh, it was with 4G. Now, um, there were some bumps in the road and um, uh, part of it is to get the network, um, obviously the infrastructure upgraded, right? So that's one. Um, so there's, it's just a function of, um, you know, capital investment you know, being able to um, uh, to upgrade all these nodes, right? So that, that um, requires personnel. And of course, during COVID, uh, you know, um, there was uh, limits of what could be done. Um, the rest of the technology needs to move along, right? So uh, the chipsets, the modems uh, have to evolve. Right? So first generations are typically, uh, you know, have some challenges. They're not as optimized, right? They're, they're not as, um, they might still be expensive, right? So, those were some things that, that slowed it down. Um, also, for with every new technology, and this is especially true for 5G, you need new spectrum, right? Spectrum is the lifeblood of um, wireless communication. And, um, you know, in the US, uh, the FCC has actually done a really good job in uh, making the spectrum available quickly or as quickly as they, they could. In some cases, it was new spectrum, like millimeter wave. And, and so some players uh, put their money on that. Um, but it's a new technology, it's very high frequencies and it's uh, difficult to master, right? And um, and it doesn't uh, reach very far. So, uh, you know, you had to, you know, put, uh, if you wanted to light up a, a city, right? So you had to put a, an antenna on every other, um, on every intersection basically, right? To 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 light up. So you, you had millimeter wave maybe on a couple of blocks or in a, in a stadium, right? So. Um, 
but not not further. There's some things happening where you have repeat inex, more inexpensive repeaters that are coming uh, that are showing up now, right? So uh, where you can have maybe a repeater on on every intersection, right? So it's much more cost effective, much more power effective, and um, so those are things that had to be developed first, right? After the standard was the standards became available to um, uh, for five G to roll out. There are some other hiccups, you know, things around the, you know the F FAA and FCC were not in sync relative to the C band uh recently right so that luckily that was uh, settled quickly um and so that's actually a very exciting midband spectrum that will um you know give a good cover has good coverage characteristics and brings uh, a lot of speed uh that that customers will really see so you, you it moves you up from like the uh, let's say the mid mid uh, 50 60 70 megabits per second uh in a factor of two, three, four, five, right? So really pushing um, pushing closer to that gigabit or in some cases even beyond. Yeah, it sounds like the the evolution uh, within the waves of the technology, you know, we've already we've already hit the crest of a few and, and rode mm -hmm. those out. And now, you know, we're on to the next. What is the, what's the next wave within the 5G evolution? You yeah. said, you mentioned those, you know, expansion in the bands. I mean, is that really the the next precipice of gaining, you know, the speeds and, and the latency levels that we need to be at? Yeah, it's, um, so with, uh, with a lot of these new Gs, uh, the initial focus is on the high speed, right? Because that's, uh, that's the driving use cases with, with, mobile phones essentially, right? And um, so it was no different with 5G. So enhanced mobile broadband or um, EMBB was, was kind of um, uh, the first focus um, with release uh, 15, which was the first release um, of 3GPP that defined 5G. Uh, the second wave then uh, is really focusing on the lower latency aspects of the technology. So um, this is called ultra-reliable uh, low-latency communication, or URLLC. Um, so that brings in, um, you know, some things where you can um, have con um, remote control, so near real-time latency control uh, over uh, over a wireless 5G link. And then the next, the third wave is really um, uh, focusing on message machine time communication. So this is really the, the lower-end IoT um uh market segment that is uh today covered actually very well with LTM and MBIoT. And so from a oh, this is again great for sensors um and, and battery power devices. So you know watches and um and widgets um uh and uh, a lot of devices so where you you know want to have Parking sensors deployed, right? Um, and you can just put them in the ground and and forget forget about them, right? For the next next decade or so. Um, in addition to you know the standards evolution and the um, I guess the technology evolution, we also have an evolution on the um, cellular network side. So today, um, most of the public networks are still running in what is called non-standalone mode. So in that mode. The um, uh, 5G device initially connects to a 4G network and then um, uses 5G kind of for additional speed. Um, but you still have that. Uh, so you get the higher speed, but you don't get some of the other benefits of the 5G um, networks. The next 
wave there is uh, to move over and have these devices uh, connect directly to the 5G network. This is called 5G standalone. And that's where you really see um, a lot of the benefits, additional benefits, you know, around lower latency, you know, around new uh, ways how to segment traffic on the network through network slicing, right? So you can have really um, application-specific um, uh, networks running uh, that are tailored to specific use cases. Uh, and could be even, you know, um, if you uh, want to have a, uh, a private network of some sort, right? So you, and it's over a uh, geographically distributed area, you could work with a mobile network operator, right? And they can provide you a slice of their network, right? And that's, that's exclusively to you and, um, you know, service your, your use case. It's uh, it, it's amazing just how how diverse everything is getting and 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 just where we can take uh, this technology and, and I appreciate your insight today, Harold. I, I always enjoy talking with you. I, I I appreciate the time walking us through that evolution, and I know that uh, it, as you do, it doesn't stop here. So <laughs> we'll we'll walk this this wild path together. And and I just want to say thank you for joining Infinite IoT today and have a great rest of your day, Harold. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. To learn more about Digi International, visit digi.com. And for this and every other episode of Infinite IoT, visit the home of B2B, marketscale.com. We'll talk to you next time.